uh, in Samson's life and in the life of not just Samson, but uh, the whole people of God, right? So if you look at uh, Judges 13, it says, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. So we already know what's going on. So remember, this is God's people who he saved from Egypt, brought them up with a mighty arm, and then uh, took them in and took over the land and gave them, uh, you know, all the land and all the prosperity of the land. And do you remember that before going into the land, Moses warned them, right? Joshua warned them before they would go into the land. They warned them and said, now listen. When you get into the land and you're living in houses you didn't build and you're eating from vineyards you didn't plant, remember, be careful not to take the Lord your God for granted. So, of course, what happens? They get into the land. They're living in houses they didn't build. They're eating from vineyards they didn't plant. And what did they do? They took the Lord God for Granted, exactly. So they moved away in their everyday life experience from understanding that they were God's chosen and special people. They moved away from God. And when you move away from God, it gives the opportunity for something else to enter in. They moved away from God. And so the Philistines now come in and the Philistines begin to dominate God's people. That's right. Those people that were rescued from domination down there in Egypt and slavery now are in the land. And what's happening again? They're living under the power of another another foreigner, the Philistines. And so the Philistines now are dominating God's own people. Why? Because they forgot their special relationship with God. They forgot and took God for granted. They forgot they were dedicated to God. You with me? This is supposed to go on for 40 years. And yet, God being who God is, in his storehouse of compassion and love for his people, in the midst of the 40 years, he begins to reclaim them. And that happens when he begins the set-apart principle. He chooses to set apart one person to begin that experience in the midst of his people's persecution to bring them back. To stand for him and bring them back. If you look at Judges 13, it says, A certain man of Zoar named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. An angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you're going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. A couple of things there. Number one, notice what tribe these people are from. They're from the Danites. You see that? Yeah, they're from the tribe of Dan. So these are not people in the Levitical tribe. They're not priestly people. They're not not people that have been already set apart for God in some special priestly kind of way. These are just regular old folks. In fact, the tribe of Dan was one of the insignificant tribes. It was one of the kind of the kind of the marginal tribes. Okay? So these are just regular old people and they're they're living life and they're experiencing their own kind of challenge. Because the wife is unable to experience pregnancy. And yet God comes to these ordinary people that are his people and says he's going to do something special in their life. And this child that comes is going to be special and he's going to be set apart. How do we know he's going to be set apart? 
Well, we know he's going to be set apart because in verse 4, we get kind of the outline of the vow that's going to happen with this child. Now see to it, she's talking to the mom, now see to it, drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You'll become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. What's happening? God is going to begin the process of bringing his people back. He's going to take the lead. You see that in the end? He's going to take the lead in what God is doing to reclaim his people from this domination of the Philistines. But notice the vow that takes place. There are three things in here that have to happen. Number one, in, number one is the mom and therefore the child is to drink no wine, right? No booze, right? No partying, no going out with the boys, no beer over the Packer game, no booze. First thing. Second thing, she's not to eat anything that is unclean. So this, this special child dedicated to God is to make sure he's not to come in contact with anything that is unclean. He's not supposed to have unclean things enter into his life. Okay? Third one, his head is never to be touched by, all right, no haircut. Okay? We're going back to the 60s and 70s, no haircut, okay? I don't know how long it was, don't know what fashion of hair he wore, but nevertheless, it wasn't cut, right? The idea is no hair. So there are three things in this vow, right? Three specific vows. And what does this do? Well, these three things are put upon him because why? He is dedicated to God. He is dedicated to God. This is a special child he is chosen and he is dedicated for the purpose that God is going to accomplish in freeing his people from domination. Okay? Remember that. It's going to be really important in a minute. Remember that. Now, just a sub-note. There's a whole other message, by the way, that we can't even get to in this particular text. Do you notice when all this is happening? Do you notice this is all happening after the child has been conceived and before the child is even born. Whoa. There's a message in there, don't you think? Especially when we think about where our culture is. And we look at this text and we see how serious God is about dedicating, setting apart, even in the womb. Think about that one today. The woman gave birth. It was a boy. She named him Samson. Look what happened. He grew up and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him while he was in Dan between Zoar and Eshtel. Samson is born. And from the time he is born, God puts his hand upon him in blessing. And the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is now resting on Samson. Why? Because remember, he is dedicated to God, and he is made for something special. This is what God is doing. This is also what God is seeking. Remember, his people are under domination by a foreign power. And God is seeking someone. He is seeking someone 
who will be dedicated to him and be special to him. It's not the first time God sought that. We can go to Ezekiel 22. It says, I look for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I search for someone to stand in the gap of the wall so I wouldn't destroy the land. What's he looking for? He's looking for somebody that will stand up for God. He's looking for somebody who will stand in the gap. Somebody who will stand over and against the domination of the culture and the world and say, listen, I stand. I stand for God. He's looking for somebody who's willing to stand up, stand out, take on leadership, be the person God wants them to be, to be absolutely dedicated to him and totally sold out on the purposes of God. He's looking for somebody who's going to stand in the gap. And what is the horrible outcome of this verse? The horrible outcome is he says, but I found what? That cannot be true today. That cannot be true today. Because our culture is trying to dominate us. Our culture is in domination over us. And God is searching out the land today as much as he did with Samson. And he's saying, I'm looking for someone. Someone who is dedicated to me. Someone who is chosen and special to me. Someone who is ready to stand up and stand in the gap and say, I live for God. He is looking for someone. And men, he is looking for you. Guys, are you listening? We're talking about Samson. We're talking about a man here. And he's looking for a man. He's looking for guys who are ready to stand up over and against the culture out there and say, listen, I'm going to stand up for the cause of Christ because I'm a man of God. I'm going to stand up for God in my marriage. I'm going to stand up for God in my family. I'm going to stand up for God in my business. I'm going to stand up for God in my work, in my career. I'm going to stand up for God in my neighborhood. He is searching the land in this day, in this time, and saying, is there anybody, anybody, who understands they are chosen by me, they are special to me, and they are dedicated to me, and will they stand up? Don't look around, because he's looking for you. He's looking for you. Go to 1 Peter. What does 1 Peter say? You see, you can't just look at Samson and say, Oh, that's so cool, Samson, nice little Old Testament story. That's just kind of a cool guy, strong, bold Samson. What a great deal. Got to tell my kids about Samson and tell them that little bedtime story about Samson. It's not just Samson. It's today. It's now. And it's all about you. Because he says in 1 Peter, But you, who? You, God's people, you who have given your life to Christ, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, and you are what? Dedicated. Dedicated. You are dedicated to the cause of Christ. You are purchased by Christ. You are his own special people that you may set forth the wonderful deeds, display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Is there anybody, is there any man Is there any church that is ready to stand up in this day and say, I'm going to stand in the strength and the power of Jesus Christ? That's what he's looking for. 
And in Samson's day, when the world was dominating God's people, Samson was that guy. Samson was that guy. That guy was to begin the process of winning back God's people. Now, this is not an easy thing. I'm not underestimating not just the call, but I'm not underestimating the challenge. This is not an easy thing. Because this call on our lives, men, if you're ready to step into this, you've got to understand you're going to have to face your weaknesses. You're going to have to face your weaknesses. And Samson shows us so clearly, this guy who is Mr. Strongman, right? He shows us so clearly the weaknesses that are after us every single day. First weakness is the I want. The I want weakness. So what happens to Samson? He grows up. One day Samson was in Timnah. One of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. And I want to marry her. And I want to get her for me. So go get her, okay? I want her. That's what's going on. Samson is totally captured by the weakness of, I want. I just want it. I don't care what God wants. I don't care what God says. I don't care I'm chosen by God. I don't care I'm special to God. I don't care I've got purposes that are God-driven. I want it. I just want it. Yes? That's where he's at. And men, you face that every day. When you see that pretty girl in the office and you say, Oh, oh, oh you know, I kind of feel like I kind of want a little thrill. You face that every day. When you decide there's something more important in your life than the cause of Christ. And you just kind of say, you know what? I want a new house. I want a new car. I know I ought to honor Christ. I know I ought to tithe. I know I ought to manage my affairs according to this. But I want it. It happens every day when that temptation comes after you and it urges you to say it's more important for me to get what I want in my life and to live according to what I want in my life than it is to be dedicated and special and claim territory for Christ. And ladies, it happens to you too. Do you remember this babe named Eve? <laughs> She saw an apple and she said, what? I want it. Amen? You bet. It is one of those weaknesses. It's that weakness that says, I can go into my office, I can close the door, I can turn on my computer, and I can watch whatever I want to watch. It's not going to make a big deal. After all, it makes me feel good. Nobody will know. And I want it. Samson experiences the temptation and the weakness of I want. And he puts himself in the position for it. Now here's the map, okay? My hairs aren't so good, so I can get down here. So here is Zoar, where Samson is, right? Here is Timnah. So it's only like four or five miles, okay? Only four or five miles. But notice the huge step that Samson has taken. When he's over here, he's in the region of Judah. He's on God's land. He's on the edge. 
He's in the marginal territory, but he's still on God's land. When he goes over here to Timnah, Timnah, whose land does he enter into? When you put yourself out there, guys, and you say, Hey, I just want to go have a good time. I just want to go and experience this. I just want to go and do that. And you put yourself in that marginal territory. That weakness is so strong. That weakness is so strong. And Samson gets into Timnah, and he sees the young woman, and where is he left? He's left with his weakness that just says, I want her. And so his mom and dad, they make the arrangements. And they go down to Timnah. And here's the amazing thing. Even in the middle of Samson's weakness, God does not abandon him. The Spirit of God does not abandon him. Even in his weakness, the Spirit of God does not abandon him. In his weakness... He's going down to Timnah, and the Spirit of God comes upon him when he's threatened by a lion. It says, at that moment, the Spirit of the Lord, verse 6, at that moment, the Spirit of the Lord powerfully came upon Samson, and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands, and he did as easily as a young goat. Didn't tell mom and dad about it, but he went on to Timnah, and he talked with a woman, and she was pleasing. <laughs> Isn't this amazing? He's doing everything contrary and yet the spirit of god is still there and available to him and working and protecting him in his life there's still the possibility for samson to reclaim his dedication and his purpose even in his weakness another weakness for samson so for us it's the no big deal weakness right later when he returned to timna for the wedding he turned off the path. What did he do? Turned off the path. You could say it. He turned off the path. Watch out for that. Something about narrow path, wide path. To look at the carcass of the lion. And he found a small a swarm of bees and he made some honey, that made some honey in the carcass. And he scooped some of the honey into his hands and he ate it and gave it to mom and dad and they ate it too. What's going on? Do you remember the three vows? What's one of the vows? He's not supposed to be involved with anything that is unclean. What's unclean? A dead carcass. A dead carcass. What does he do? He trades his obedience and his vow to Almighty God for a handful of honey. And in his head, what's he doing? I can handle it. It's no big deal. No big deal. No big deal. I mean, I know God's word says, but no big deal. I know God's word tells me, but really no big deal. I know I ought to live according to God's purpose, desire, and wish, but you know, I can handle it. I can handle it. No big deal. He gets the Timnah. He's going to get married. He's making the final arrangements. And Samson threw a party. Imtimna gets 30 other young, important people together, guys together. They have their bachelor party. And oh yeah, what was one of Samson's vows? He was not to drink wine. What do you suppose he's doing at the bachelor party? He trades his vow for what? 
Good time. And the whole time he's probably telling himself what? Hey, no big deal. I can handle it. Just a little wine, just a little party, one time, that's all. I can handle it. No big deal. See the temptation? So easy for us to minimize God's claim in our life. So easy for us to minimize God's word in our life and be able to say, convince ourselves, we're big enough, we're strong enough. After all, we're like Samson. We can handle it. No big deal. Samson, strongest man in the world. And yet he displays that tremendous weakness that he thinks somehow he is smarter and bigger than God in his word. He gets so full of himself that he even puts out a challenge and comes up with a riddle for these guys. And he says, listen, if you can answer the riddle, I'm going to give you all that stuff, some stuff. But if you can't answer the riddle, you've got to give me the stuff. So he makes a bet. The guy goes to his fiance. They pressure the fiance. The fiance goes to Samson and says, Samson, give me the answer to the riddle. Samson gives in to his fiance. She gives the answer to the guys. The guys go back to Samson. They say, we got the answer. They give him the answer to the riddle and what? Samson now owes a debt to these guys. And guess what? He can't pay it. <laughs> he don't got it in his pocket. So what does he do? Even in his weakness and in his disobedience. This is amazing. Even in his weakness and his disobedience. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. He went down to the town of Ashkelon and he killed 30 men and he took their belongings and he gave the clothing to the men who had solved the riddle. He even unrighteously enters into killing some Philistines. And even in his weakness... The Spirit of God does not abandon him. How awesome is our God? Last one. He has that weakness of personal revenge. Things are not going Samson's way. And uh, to top it all off, uh, he gets in trouble. Uh, long story short, he gets in trouble. And his fiance is given to another man to marry Samson hears about that and it says he then acts in revenge. He says, because you did this, I won't rest until I take my revenge on you. So he attacked the Philistines with great fury, killed many of them, and he went to live in a cave in the Rock of Elam. Well, this guy's living large, right? Where's he living now? In a cave. Well, he's making it big. <laughs> Samson living in a cave. That's like, you know, the guy living in a van down by the river, right? I mean, he's living large, boy. Way to go, Sammy. Uh, he's living in a cave down by the river. It says Samson's arrived at Lehi. What happens? He burns up some fields of these Philistine guys. The Philistine guys kill his fiance. Everything gets all turned upside down. And finally, Samson's own people, the very people he is sent to save, they turn against him. He's living in a cave. His own people turn against him. They bind him with ropes, and they deliver him over the Philistines. He is absolutely humiliated. He is absolutely weak and humiliated. And in his weakness, watch this, in his weakness, 
But the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson, and he snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax, and they fell from his wrist. Then he found a jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up, and he killed a thousand Philistines with it. In his weakness, what happened? When he became weak, and he let the Spirit of God take hold of his life, he became strong. Some of you right now are facing those weaknesses. And you need to accept them. You need to understand them. You need to acknowledge them. You need to receive those weaknesses and say, yes, I'm weak. I am weak and I am broken. Because it's when we get weak and broken that the Spirit of God can give us the power to overcome. Jesus said it to us. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, if apart from him we can do nothing, the opposite is equally true, isn't it? With him we can do everything. If we, if we just get on our knees and we get weak and we understand apart from him, we can do nothing. But with him, we can do everything. With him, with his spirit, dedicated to him, chosen by him, absolutely committed to him, we can stand in the gap. We can stand up in this time. We can push back the domination that's trying to take this land and this nation. We can push back the domination that's trying to control our families and our kids. We can push back the domination that's trying to take over all of our lives. We can push back and step into the gap and we can say, listen, we are going to be the people of God. We are going to be men of God and nothing can stand against us. Because why? Because I am weak, but he isn't. He is strong and he went into the grave and he walked out three days later and he's alive and he's in control of my life and I live absolutely and completely for him in his power. I am nothing, but he is absolutely everything. And all I want, I want him. I want his will. I want his desire. I want his future. I want his power. I want his strength. I want everything that he wants in my life. And that's all I want. I want God. When we're weak, we make room for his strength. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the incredible God you are. And Father, we want to face our weaknesses. And Lord, I pray especially for the men in the room today that they would face their weaknesses. They just let go, admit them, let go, just be absolutely empty and nothing today so that you can fill them up. So you can fill them up. So they can be the men of God who will step into the gap in this time, step into the gap in this culture, and be able to say in their in marriages and in their families, in their jobs, in their businesses, wherever it is you take them, that they are going to stand for you, that they're going to be Samson's. They're going to be strong in the power of the Spirit of the Lord. So, Lord, we ask for this, and we come before you empty and weak, and we say, Jesus, forgive us and help us. In his name we pray. Amen.